This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, and welcome to another episode of our 10-minute download. This is Eating Lu from UBS Fundamental Analytics team, and we are joined by Jeff Robinson, also from Fundamental Analytics team. And today we are here to give a quick download of our new note on how to value disruptive company. Jeff, let's start off with why are we writing this note on disruptive companies? I think really we're writing this note just because we got the question asked quite a lot. And um, I suppose after the last couple of years, the stuff that we've been publishing has kind of fed into this framework. And um, yeah, I think that's it really. We, we were getting asked the question an awful lot. I think people were really looking for some guidance on how to deal with these companies where you know visibility of cash flows was limited mm. base rates mm. uh again limited comparables not that many mm. and that real uncertainty of well how do you you know can you sit down and fundamentally value these types of yeah. things and do that forecasting and then um, and the answer is it's really really quite dip i mean i mean difficult i think it's almost impossible with some businesses to think, right, I know what this business is going to do yeah. cash flow wise over mm. the next X number of years. Um, uh, and then it's like, well, well, what do you do? Do you just fall back on multiples? And if you just fall back on multiples, I, I don't think you're really valuing the company. You're more mm-hmm. pricing it. And, yeah. you know, we've said in a whole bunch of presentations that, um, you know, if you're going to come up with an investment view, mm-hmm. um, you've got to have these two lenses. You've got to have, you know, the lens of what do you believe is the market's view Mm. and expectations and then bench that against what you think your view is yeah and if there is a, a difference a, a, a lack of alignment that's when it gets kind of interesting because mm. you can then start to articulate why you think uh that market consensus is wrong and mm. why you have an investment case now with disruptive business models um uh, I, I think that traditional idea of doing a bottom-up valuation yeah forecast revenues forecast out your costs, your profits, your taxes, reinvestment, working capital, CapEx, mm. and you think you know what the future is going to hold. Um, I think that's almost impossible to do for some of these disruptive businesses. Yeah, and I guess even those businesses themselves, they might not actually know where this business is going to go in three, five years' oh, time. Oh, gosh, right? yes. I mean, you know, I mean, on a very, very, very small scale, um, you know, my past, you know, we built two little startup consultancy businesses mm. and, um, you know, up five, six, seven years down the line, people were looking at these businesses and say, saying things like, oh, you know, your strategic vision was really good. And, you know, how did you plan all of that? We didn't plan it. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, people talk about an emergent strategy. Yeah. Well, that's just a polite way of saying you kind of learn from your mistakes. Mm. You didn't quite make it up as you go along, mm. but you, you know, you, 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 trial things, you tested things, um, a whole bunch of them failed. You learn from those failures mm. and then your strategy emerged out of those situations. So really, I think I'm, I'm more interested in trying to figure out what's the narrative mm-hmm. that's potentially yeah. embedded within the stock price and that is the foundation really of this framework that we've developed so it's really like a what's pricing reverse dcf framework right? yeah to start off with i think i think that's um i think it bridges both the aspects of how you put an investment thesis together you you know i, I think you've got to be able to price the investment mm. and then you've got to fundamentally value it so what we do is we start off with Really, what what is the one known fact that we have, which yeah. is the stock's price? Yeah. Um, 
now we run a discounted cash flow in reverse. We try and keep that model as simple as possible. And we try and back out what is the implied narrative that supports that stock price. And quite frankly, we could probably back out a number of, uh, let's say, possible narratives. Yeah. And then really what the note goes on to do is to say, right, once you've got a narrative, what mm. tests could you do on that narrative to then start considering out of that kind of um, sample of possible narratives, mm -hmm. which one of those narratives actually are like to be more plausible? Yeah. And, you know, can the business model actually deliver on those expectations or those narratives that are embedded in the stock price. And really what the note does is it looks at a whole bunch of different techniques, mm. A, to aid you in that what's priced in framework build, yeah. and then B, um, how to do that plausibility testing. So, you know, one thing we say is that let's build a simple model. Yeah. I'm not saying this is the only model you build mm -hmm. when you're going down this route, but let's build a simple model um, we suggest a three-stage model. Mm -hmm. uh, the first stage is not necessarily forecasting out to a point of maturity, more forecasting out to a point of visibility. Right. And then once you hit a situation where the visibility gets a bit cloudy, mm -hmm. your second stage kind of kicks in. Mm. And then you're thinking about, right, how do I fade the behavior of these cash flows mm. down towards a long-term sustainable level of growth or return? Yeah. And... Um, what I do like about the node is I, I do like the work that we've done on that second stage fade and something that you were very much involved in. Um, you know, the idea of using a sigmoid curve to build um, a tailored S-shaped curve for that fade. Yeah. Because companies do not fade linearly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's not how life works. You know, there is behavior behind those, those, those fades. And so the sigmoid curve allows us to define the nature of that curve. And then we took things further, and this is, you know, the work that you did on that modified um, exponential, exponential fade, yeah. modified exponential decay fade. I mean, you know, it was a, a crazy <laughs> set of words to describe yeah. another S-shaped curve. Yeah. But what was lovely about that curve is the fact that it could extrapolate behavior based on kind of the, the forecasts behind it up to a point of maturity. And then from that point of maturity, develop an S shape, but you've got a situation where you can mold that shape of that curve and really the, the fade becomes really the fitting factor mm. that um, kind of fits the, um, the gap between where we are and where the stock price actually is. And by playing around with those narratives, I think you can start to develop insights mm. towards things like, you know, what do we think the... Uh, you know, the competitive advantage period is, how long can that be held on for? Yeah. How aggressive that, is that loss actually going to be? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess the good thing about it is it's very flexible in terms of the fit curve, how you can price in the various aspects. And definitely uh, the good thing, the other thing is that you can run many, many of these scenarios, yeah, and, and, right? And that's what you've got to do because, you know, we don't have the answers. You don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. People listening to this podcast don't have the answers. But we have the questions mm. and, you know, we said it in the note, you ask one question, it's like one data point in the analysis. Yeah. It's impossible to infer an insight from one data point. Mm. But you ask multiple questions, it's multiple data points that gives you the ability to infer potential insights. And that's where things kind of get exciting. And once we've got those narratives, we're then going to test them. For things like consistency of the narrative, we use 
incremental return on invested capital, which we've written on before back in uh, December 2021. Yeah. Um, we've got that work that we've done on the present value of growth obligations. Mm. You know, really unique but easy way of just splitting up a valuation into the, I suppose, the way that a CEO would look at the value of his or her company is, well, what's the value of the kind of the steady state of the business, mm -hmm. right? What's the value of the growth opportunities? Mm. Do those growth opportunities create or destroy value? Mm. Again, we want to look at that analysis to, again, build up a element of, or, or degree of conviction about whether this narrative is plausible or not. We get very, you know, firmy in, in I'm not even sure, is that a verb? <laughs> um, but Fermi's a chap. Um, he's, uh, Enrico Fermi was the... Um, uh, a guy who won the Nobel Prize for Physics back in 1963, he was on the uh, the Manhattan Project as one of the developers of the atomic bomb. Um, he was also gained fame um, decades ago about coming up with pretty decent estimates from limited information. Mm. And, um, you know, he was responsible for that, for that interview question of, you know, how many piano tuners are there than Chicago? Um, the answer is about 64. Um, but how he got to that reasoning was really backing out implications from limited data. Yeah. And we want to do the same thing with these narratives. You know, it's all well and good backing out a whole bunch of numbers. Mm. And these numbers say, right, we support these share price in this particular way. But I, what I want to then start thinking, well, is, you know, if I'm looking at a car company, how many cars does that mean? Yeah. Right? If it's electric vehicles, how many batteries does that mean? Mm. Right? How big is that market? What's the market penetration? Is it likely that the company is going to generate that amount of kind of unit output mm. in that shorter period? And that's what the note's really doing, is it's just saying, let's turn valuation on its head. Mm. Let's start off with the pricing, yep. back out the narrative. The testing of that narrative is then moving from pricing more towards fundamentals. Mm. So you're still getting that two kind of uh, view on the stock. What's in the market? What's in your head? Do they marry up? If not, why not? Can you articulate why the market's wrong? Yeah. And we're just changing the approach to valuation to fit into a situation where we've got more uncertainty than normal. Running scenarios is key to this analysis. Mm -hmm. Running sensitivity is key to this analysis mm -hmm. because it's just going to give you many answers to those particular questions. All right. And we are run out here, uh, slightly more than 10 minutes, but that's a quick download of our Valuing Disruptive Company note. Uh, thanks for listening to this podcast and have a good day. All right, thanks a lot. Cheers. This content has been prepared by UBSAG, its subsidiaries and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation, nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content and has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regular or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written 
written permission. Copyright UBS 2022. The key symbol in UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.